This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right. How is everybody doing this evening? Amen. You know what? It's just about the most wonderful time of the year. Now, I know some of us are already there, and it was 80 degrees today, but I told Katie, I'm wearing a sweater all day long. You, you probably won't see me in anything other than the sweaters for about the next four months, five months, so get used to it, folks. It's, a, it's that time of year. Now, um, what we're talking about tonight, though, and I kind of threw a little bit of an advertisement out there earlier today, is I want to be talking about the topic of depression for a few minutes tonight. And you're like, well, gee, what is depression? Let's talk about depression, guys, because it seems to me, and what I see is, that, you know, this time of year often, uh, we see people that kind of struggle with depression, okay, seasonal depression or whatnot, and, and I get that, you know, I, I, I understand that. I'm also seeing, though, not just in this church, but the body of Christ in general and across across the board, lots of people that, I mean, they just, they get depression and sorrow and grief coming to them. And listen to me, here's the answer to that. And you're going to think this is, you know, you're, out, you're off your rocker. Forbid it from happening. You're like, what? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm being serious, man. When dep- I, I understand. Depression used to try to come and get me. Depression would come and knock on my door, and I would give in to it. I'd let the devil sit there and just knock my lights out for days. But guess what? I realized after a while that I don't have to be depressed. I don't, I, I can have the joy of the Lord. I can have the peace of God 365 days a year. And you're thinking, well, I mean, that, that sounds like, like a lot. Absolutely it does. And I stand by that statement. I can have the joy of the Lord and the peace of God 365 days a year. There are wonderful opportunities sometimes to forfeit my peace, to forfeit the joy of the Lord, but it's up to me if I'm going to stay submitted to God and not give in to it. And I'm going to tell you what, I stand by the statement that absolutely you can forbid depression and sorrow and grief from overtaking your life. Stand up to it in the name of Jesus and you don't have to be depressed. You can have the joy of the Lord. You can have the peace that surpasses all understanding. As Philippians 4 tells us, it shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's good news tonight. So anyway, let's go ahead and pray and we're going to get into this message. And I believe that God's going to speak to us this evening. Father, in Jesus name, I thank you, Lord, so much. That we have a wonderful church to worship in. Lord, we are blessed with amazing families surrounding us on every side right now. God, we're family and we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we open up our Bibles, as we study the word of God, you will speak to each person here. Lord, you know what we're facing. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will just absolutely reveal your word to us in an amazing way tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Now, Wednesday nights can be a tad bit of a struggle because I'm definitely on a time crunch. I've got 35 minutes to cover what I think can take a lot longer than that. So if I move quick, stick with me. Number one tonight is this. Depression is a weapon of the enemy. 
You don't have to agree. You, you could. But I, I'll go ahead and I'll, I guess I'll have to prove it to you since you don't agree yet. But number one, depression is no doubt about it. That is a tool of the devil to come in and try to screw your life up. And unfortunately, a lot of people apparently don't recognize that. So John chapter 10, verse 10. Let's go there. John 10, 10. Now, a lot of you guys are very familiar with this verse. John chapter 10, verse 10. And you should be. Because John 10, 10, to me, answers... A whole lot of questions that people may have about life, about why things happen in this world. John 10.10 has a lot of answers for us. But this is something that, that Jesus said to us. John chapter 10 and verse 10. And he's telling us here where the cause of so many things in this world come from. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. It says, the thief's purpose. Who do you think the thief is? Very good. It's the devil. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So the thief, the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus comes to give a rich and satisfying life or life and life more abundantly. So my question is this. Is the depression you're facing giving you a rich and satisfying life? Thank you. Thank you. You're right. You're correct. It is not. The depression, that with the sorrow, the, the, the emotions that try to overtake us, that is not giving you a rich and satisfying life. Most depressed people, I've never done this, but I would like to just go to maybe a group of depressed people and, and find out how many would say that their life is rich and satisfying or say, would you label your life as having life and life more abundantly? I'm guessing that the majority of them would say, no, my life is not life and life more abundantly. My life stinks and I don't like it. So that would fall under the category of stealing, killing, and destroying. So let's go ahead and finish connecting these dots there. Stealing, killing, and destroying, your life not being very fun at all, does that fall into the category of something that Jesus does to you or something that the devil does to you? This is interactive tonight. Come on. Thank you, Norma. The devil is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so you need to recognize where the source of this comes from. You need to recognize that Jesus, that God is not the one obviously sending this your way, but you seriously need to recognize where the source of depression comes from. It is an attack from the enemy, and it is an attack on your soul. Now let's explain this a little bit here. So a human being, you are made in the image of God according to Genesis 1.26. Amen? God is a three-part being. He's the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity. Well, if you're made in the image of God, you are also a three-part being, right? Spirit, soul, and body. A human being is not simply the flesh that you see. If all there is to this life and this existence is this part of it, the flesh, the skin, then there's not a whole lot to look forward to because when this thing dies, it's over and done with and sorry about you, it's over with. But the truth of the matter is this, is that you are a lot more than just the skin and bones on, on, on that you can see. You are a three-part being and the most serious part of you is your spirit, Right? Your spirit either goes to heaven when you die or it would go to hell if you haven't received Jesus as Lord and Savior. But that leaves the third part of who you are, and that is your soul. 
Now, your soul, we could go into this and study this out. But anyway, to break it down very simply for the sake of time, your soul is what most ministers and theologians would call your mind, your will, and your emotions. So if you have a depression problem, you have a soul problem. And let's just get real. You've got something going on against your soul right there. And a lot of people don't take the time to recognize that. Now, I understand. We can seek treatments and stuff. I'm all for that. Wonderful, fabulous. Do it. Let's get help. But most people are fighting a soul problem with physical body answers or some other answer. But the answer to your soul problem comes from the spiritual part of who you are. Does that make sense? Am I, am I not, I'm not going way too far out there. Am I? So the answer to the answer to every problem is to get it through the spiritual realm. And that is, of course, going through Jesus Christ, going through God, going through the word of God. I can solve physical problems through spiritual answers. I can get healed through spiritual answers. Amen. I got healed of cancer through spiritual answers. It worked. It absolutely worked. I, I, I've been delivered from depression and other things through spiritual answers. But you know what you can't do? You can't fix spiritual problems with physical, uh, you know, avenues. You can't fix spiritual problems with soul avenues. You know, you, you just got to get this, that your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And a whole lot of people, they are dominated by their soul. Amen. I know a lot of people that they're they're dominated by their soul. They have, I mean, absolute, if things are going if good, if you were nice to them that morning, they'll be super, super nice that day. But if they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, look out, someone's going to pay today, man. Why? Because their soul dominates them. They're an emotional wreck. If you let your soul be the part of you that dominates you, you will make emotional, irrational decisions every day of your life. Your emotions will tell you where to go, who to talk to, how to treat your neighbor. When the truth of the matter is, if you're a spirit-dominated being, you will love your neighbor as yourself, whether they deserve it or not. If your soul is controlling you, you won't do that. You will treat them how they treat you. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If somebody's mean to you, you'll be mean back because the soul will not let you love like Jesus loves. The soul will not give you the joy of the like Jesus wants for you to have. So my question for you is this. Examine your life. Would you say that you are being, which part of you is running the show? Is it your spirit? Is it your soul or is it your body? Because there's a lot of people that are dominated by their bodies. And that's why they'll go, you know, maybe do sexual sins or constantly overeat or take drugs and whatnot. Because they want whatever's going to make their flesh, their body feel happy and it dominates them. They will put Jesus and spiritual things to the side if it's there's something that would make their body feel more comfortable. If they'd rather, you know, they give up, give up church and the Lord for, you know, substance abuse. Well, that's they're dominated by their body. That's an issue that shouldn't be happening. Right. That's not mean to say that's just the truth. But there's a lot of other people that they'll disregard the teachings of Jesus to make their soul feel good because it feels a whole lot better when somebody's mean to you to be mean back, doesn't it? Come on, come on, holy people. Doesn't it? Does it feel better when somebody says something rude to you? Does it feel really good to walk the other direction and say nothing at all? No, that's hard, man. That's really hard. But guess what? It's the right thing to do. And if your spirit 
is your born-again spirit. And if you're not a born-again Christian, then your spirit is not going to lead you in the right direction because you're a dead man still. But anyway, whole other topic right there. So, if you are a born-again Christian, which I'm assuming, I know most of you in this room, I'd say most of you are. If you're a born-again Christian and you let your spirit dominate what's going on and control your actions, you will make right choices. Right? Because you're going to go to be, be mad at somebody. You may go to, you know, say mean things back to them. But you'll say, you know what? No. The Bible says, turn the other cheek. The Bible says, go the extra mile. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. In Colossians chapter 3, I'm just going to let this one go. You will never be able to do that if you are a person controlled by your emotions and dominated by your soul. You don't have a chance of making spiritual choices. And so... When your born-again spirit is in control, it doesn't matter when depression tries to come get you because you're no longer dominated by your soul. You have the fruit of the spirit in operation. And what is one of the fruit of the spirit that would be the opposite of depression and sorrow and grief? Number two, people. Joy. We've got joy. And so if I am letting the spirit control my life, as Galatians 5.22 says, whenever depression does come, whenever sorrow and sadness and ungodly grief tries to come to me, I'm going to overcome that with the joy of the Lord. It's a fruit of the spirit because my born again spirit dominates me, not my emotions, not my soul, and definitely not my body. My spirit is in control of this whole thing. Amen. Come on. Are are we getting this? So listen, this is a fruit of the spirit. And you have got to recognize that depression is an absolute attack from the enemy. And it's one of his most effective ones because most Christians don't properly identify it. So they don't fight it the right way. Most Christians, I I mean, almost, you know, I'm We're in a Pentecostal church, Word of Faith, Spirit-filled church. Most of you in here, when sickness comes, you'll you'll pray for it, no problem. You're like, oh man, no doubt about it, this is from the devil, I'm going to pray this away right now. Most of us will do that. We don't sit there and question, we don't sit there and think about it. Most of us, if even a cold comes to us, most of us will not sit there and take that for several days at a time. We will stand up and use our faith and fight that sucker off and do something about it, right? Amen. But most of us don't recognize when depression and sorrow and grief come, we, for some reason, we don't use that same faith. We don't use that same tenacity to fight it off as we would a headache or a cold or cancer. We sit there and it takes days of the devil beating us over the head, thumbing us into the ground. We don't want to get out of bed. We want to treat our family bad. We want, we, we do all this stuff. And then finally, sometimes, maybe a few days later, we're like, you know what, Lord, can we just resist this in the name of Jesus? Just in the name of Jesus, resist And, and we half-heartedly, Lord, take this. I don't want to be sad today, man. I don't want the blues today, man. And you kind of halfway do, you know, listen, first of all, that's not even a prayer of faith. Because faith doesn't ask, you know, devil, leave me alone today, man. I've had enough. That's not, that's not resisting the devil. Don't, oh my gosh, no, that, no, that, that's not faith right there. Asking the devil to leave you alone or, or, and, and I put it this way, a lot, lots of times we, we will eventually turn to God, but it's a last resort. Listen, God should be our first resort when sickness comes, when depression comes, when relationship problems comes, when money problems comes. Jesus should be number one, not number five. 
And so I heard it this way. There's these two old guys that, you know, they're buddies, but they were facing a dilemma together. And they tried everything they knew to fix this situation. And they, they had exhausted all options. And one of, the, one of the old guys turns to the other and says, maybe we ought to pray. The other one says, has it come to that? Listen, the point is, prayer should never be, has it come to that? Prayer should be option number one. Not after you've tried everything else. Well, I might as well try praying because nothing else seems to be working. And even when it comes to the area of our emotions and our soul, don't make prayer, don't make God, don't make the, the Bible resort number five, man. When, it, when you wake up in a bad mood, turn to Jesus right then so the rest of us don't have to put up with you the rest of the day. Please, I beg you, go to Jesus immediately. Now, strangely, I don't, you know, I don't know why this is. I, and I've said this a lot, but I'm, I'm an absolute morning person. I can't explain it, but I wake up in a fabulous mood. Seriously, every day I wake up in an amazing mood. I'm so joyful and happy in the mornings. And as, every day I roll out of bed skipping, man. And I, I, I can't explain that. But listen to me. If the devil even hints at coming to try to come in and, and mess with that day right from the beginning, I will absolutely not put up with that. I absolutely not, man. He's not going to ruin my day before I even step out of the house. And a lot of times I know people, their day is already ruined by the time their head leaves the pillow. They've already decided this is going to be a bad day. Why would you let that happen to you? And you're like, well, I can't help it. Yes, I'm not being mean. You can do something about it. What can you do? You can step up and use your authority in the name of Jesus. Resist the devil. And it says he's going to flee from you. So let's hurry up here. Let's look at Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. The 23rd Psalm. Check this out. Now, a lot of you are familiar with this one. You could quote this. But there's something that God pointed out to me in the third verse a couple years ago that I want you to see. So Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. I'll read this in the New King James. It says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I like the New Living, it says, I have all that I need. The Lord, If the Lord's my shepherd, I've got everything I need right there. But let's keep going. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And so when I read that and I see that word soul, I started reading this verse he restores my mind, my will, and my emotions. And there was a point in time where I was in a situation where I had simply lost the will to go on. And I would, I would say that, God, I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't even think I want to go on. I have lost the will to go on in this situation. And this verse came alive to me. I restore your will to go on. I will renew your will to keep fighting for what is right. And, and I mean, I, that, that got me. Like, wow, there's my answer right there. He says, he, if I would go to him, he's my shepherd, right? A lot of people are their own shepherd. That's why they're in such trouble. Thank you. Thank you for your holy silence. Anyway, so the, a lot of people, they're their own shepherd. But listen, if the Lord is your shepherd, first of all, you've got everything you need right there. I, I shall not want. He restores my soul. He will renew my will to continue on and fight for what is right, whether it be my life, 
my marriage, my children, my job, whatever it is, he will renew and restore your will to go on because he restores your soul. And so I encourage you, if you're in this situation where I, mean, I don't even know if I can go, I don't even know if I want to go on anymore. Listen, you need, to, you need to have your soul renewed. You need to have your soul restored to what God has intended for you to have. And so if I were you, I would start reading Psalm 23 and I would read it just like I just said. He restores my mind, my will, and my emotions. Therefore, I do have the will to go on because I have the will to do the will of God. Amen? Number two, when depression comes, number two, resist it in the name of Jesus. Resist it in the name of Jesus. And so let's look at James 4, 7. James 4, 7. I hope you're writing these down. Because, listen, we're doing you a real favor tonight. We're giving you some verses that you need to know. You ought to be writing these down. James 4, verse 7. And, by the way, I forget that not everybody knows you can listen to every sermon from the church on the website for free. I have people ask me all the time. The website for free. Go to hgwc.org. Click on the link that says sermons. Listen, you can go on iTunes. um, Go to the podcast app. Search the church name. You go to the Android store. And it's amazing. We have people, and I told some of you this the other day, somebody emailed me from Holland last week and was like, that was a great Sunday night message. I'm like, what? (laughs) Holland? Are you serious? South Korea has emailed us. Uh, um, Nicaragua and there's another country that emailed us recently too and all over the US I'm like people are listening to this little Barstow church all over the world so listen man take advantage of it and let's, you can listen all day long for free just keep doing it I drive to Victorville twice a day and I listen to preaching the whole way there and back I listen to hours of preaching every day and it is wonderful he restoreth my soul folks it's amazing amen and not, not our church necessarily. I listen to lots of people. So anyway, James 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will possibly flee from you. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and there is a chance that he might possibly... No! Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So if people, you know, well, I, I did that and he didn't flee. Well, then no, you didn't. <laughs> No, you didn't, because there's a promise right here that says if you submit to God and you resist the devil, he will flee. If you say, I did that, then it didn't work, then you didn't really do it. Because I know a lot of people that all the time, I mean, I'm binding the devil, I'm casting him out, man, I'm resisting the devil every day, bro, every day. Well, did you do the first part? Did you submit to God? Because I don't, I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not judging, so don't, let's not go there, but I just saw you cursing your neighbor out, and then you went and, and resisted the devil over here, and nothing happened. Somewhere along the line, you're not submitting to God. Because Jesus wouldn't go cuss his neighbor out. Right? Jesus wouldn't, Jesus wouldn't blow up at the kids and, you know, and, and threaten his wife and all this stuff. Jesus wouldn't do that. So if you're doing that, and then wondering why the devil is not fleeing from your life, the reason is that you're not submitted to God. You've got a wide open door for the devil to just come in and do whatever he wants to do. Bring depression, sorrow, grief, bad times, whatever it is. Listen, you've left the door wide open and then you're sitting there. Get out, get out, get out. Listen, you've got to submit to God first of all. Now that it's not saying your life has to be perfect and you've got to have it all together. Nobody's there. But listen... You know if you're submitted to God or not. You know if you are submitted to God or not. And if you're submitted to God and you resist the devil, he will flee. Because if he doesn't, the Bible just lied to us. And the Bible 
doesn't lie to us. Because God can not lie. Titus 1-2 says God can not lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Think about that. The second that something leaves his lips, it instantly becomes truth. It's impossible for him to lie. If God says the sky is now purple, then guess what, folks? The facts just changed. The sky is now purple. It would instantly be. Now, he wouldn't. Obviously, he's not doing that. But the truth of the matter is this, is that God can't lie. If he says, you submit to me and you resist the devil and he will flee, it will happen. Guaranteed. I would stake my life upon it. Because the word of God says it's true. And I don't care what your experience said. A lot of times we exalt our experience above the word of God. Well, I spoke to the mountain and nothing happened. Well, I I don't know what to tell you, but I still believe the Bible over your experience. Over my experience. Well, I prayed and I didn't get the answer I wanted. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you right now. I'm not going to make up some answer. But listen, that doesn't change the fact that I still believe the word of God says that if I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That doesn't change the fact that the word of God still says that I can have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Just because your experience didn't line up with the word of God, I am not, I don't dare say that my experience is more true than the word of God. Somewhere along the way, I probably messed it up or something. I'll, maybe I'll find out when I get to heaven, but I don't have the guts to look at God and say, I know your Bible said this, but this is what happened to me. So you must have been wrong somewhere. You kidding me? I'm not going to do that. I'm wrong every day of the week, every second, if that's what it is, because he's always right. And I'm I'm never going to be more right than God. So I encourage you. I mean, come on, we've got to get this. And I, I, I fear that a lot of times as Christians, we've heard the truth so many times that we mentally acknowledge it without getting the revelation in our hearts. Because, I mean, I could ask every Christian in the world, pretty much, is there power in the name of Jesus? Oh, you betcha there is. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, listen, do you have the revelation? Man, I've heard that since the day I was born, man. Okay. Then why aren't you using the name of Jesus to overcome this situation? You have to, you, you can't just acknowledge the truth in your mind. You've got to get the truth in your heart for it to do you any good. Because your mind is your soul. Your heart, according to the Bible, is your spirit. The spirit has to dominate. Okay? And I mean, that's a very whole other teaching that we'll get into sometime. But you've got to get the truth in your heart, not just in your mind. I mean, think about it. What about gravity, for instance? We've all, we acknowledge the fact that it's true, right? We all know, hey, of course, what goes up, what must come down. That's a great thing to acknowledge, but when you find out, how many guys in here, especially men, you have found out that gravity is a real thing and you got the revelation of it? Come on, guys. I know, we do stupid things, okay? One time, I don't know, here we go. So one time, I like to tell stories on my brothers, especially when they're not in here because they cannot defend themselves. So, Josh, the bearded brother, one time when we're teenagers, he wakes me up in the middle of the night. He's trying to work out and get in shape. He's like, hey, man, I've got this idea. I'm going to do squats, right? I just need you to sit on my shoulders. I'm like, okay, let's go. I get out of bed. I get on his shoulders. He does a few squats. He gets up, and next thing, boom, I pile drive it onto the, on, onto the wood floor. Boom! Guess what? I got a whole new revelation of gravity. Like, I no longer acknowledged it. Like, yeah, I know gravity is real. I believe it with all my heart that if I'm in the air and I fall on my head, it is going to hurt tremendously bad. 
especially at midnight when I'm halfway awake. And so I am a firm believer. I acknowledge the truth of gravity, but I've got the revelation, I believe, with all my heart that it's real and that it exists and that it hurts when you fall on your head. And so you've got to, but you've, you've got to take the revelation of God's word more than just saying, yeah, man, I know it's true. You've got to get in your and say, no, I know this is true. If I resist the devil, he has to flee because that's what the word of God says. I am convinced that that's what the word of God says. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. Luke 10, 17 through 19. But you've got to get the revelation in your heart that you can resist in the name of Jesus, if you're submitted to God, and Satan has to flee. Luke 10, verses 17 through 19. Again, I repeat, make sure you are writing these verses down. Luke 10, 17 through 19. I'm going to go ahead and start reading here. This is the New Living Translation. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. And that is, I mean, Luke ten nineteen about makes me want to run every time I read it. Because Jesus himself said, I have given you authority over all the power, all the works of the enemy. So if there's something that pops up in my life that's a work of the enemy, do I have to sit there and receive it and accept it and just say, that's just the way it is. It's my cross to bear. Depression is my cross to bear, man. It's just, it's, we all got our thing in life, but that's just, uh, I got to deal with it. It's just my thing. No, you don't. Listen, absolutely not. If it's a work of the devil, Jesus said, I have given you authority over all the works of the enemy. And the disciples, listen, this wasn't just for the 12 disciples, because here's 72 right here. A lot of people, they, and I don't know, it's beyond me why some people want to try to prove how many promises are not for them. You know what I mean? I can read, you can read a promise out of the Bible. Yeah, but he was talking to Nicodemus when he said that. So I don't know if, I mean, if he loved the whole world, he gave his only begotten son. I don't know if it was Nicodemus. I don't know. Like, why would you say something stupid like that? Why would you argue to try to prove that the Bible is not for you and could change your life? I'm too busy trying to find every promise I can that is for me and why God wants me to, to have it. And so right here, don't say something stupid like, well, that was for the 12 disciples because you're obviously wrong. He was talking to over 70 people right there. And listen to me. He said, I have given you authority over all the works of the enemy. Now, I don't have power that I possess over the devil. I and myself don't possess the power to fight the devil. Because I would have dotted his eye years ago and we would have just ended this whole thing, right? But I don't have the power, but I do have the authority to the power. Amen? Come on. I've got the authority to the power. So I, And that's great news. That, that means I don't have to come up with some way to try to beat the devil. Jesus already has the answer. He just said, use my name and my name. Cast out devils. Mark 16, in my name, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Just use my name and, and, and you have authority over the works of the enemy. That, man, isn't that good news right there? That's, that is super good news because if you're facing any problems in life right now, you just got answers that could change your life. Amen? If you'll get it in your heart and out of your head. 
Amen. Come on. And so Matthew 18, 18. Let's look at this real quick. Matthew 18, 18. We're racing the clock here. Matthew 18, 18. Check this out. So you have authority over all the works of the enemy. Our title tonight is I Forbid Depression. And here's the verse that really backs up our rights to use that title. Matthew 18, 18. And we use this on Sunday night if you're here. But Matthew 18, 18. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whatever, say whatever, you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So Jesus right here said, and the King James says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So whatever you forbid on earth, according to the will of God, right? I mean, you, you, you can't just come up and forbid people. Like my wife forbid me from wearing the shoes today that I was wearing all day long. It didn't work. I still wore them. But I did change before church. But I mean, I was all over the place. She hates those shoes. And she said, I forbid you from wearing them. But it didn't work. I still wore them. But there are things, though, spiritually speaking, that you can forbid the devil from doing. And I mean, this is not rocket science. This is not, I mean, you, you can go study this out if you want. That's fine. But I just like to take the word of God for what it says. Jesus said, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. You can use my name to do these things. And so I'm not going to overcomplicate that now, what did forbid mean? Now, what did in in the original Greek mean? What did my mean? What does what is, what is heaven mean? I, well, quit overcomplicating the scripture, man. Just obey it. And so he says, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Guess what? Depression knocks on my door. You know what I say? I forbid you. I, I say that, seriously. I forbid you from coming into my life. No, not going to happen. Get out of here. I forbid it. And, and there's so much power in being able to stand up when you realize the authority that you have in Christ. Now, if you don't know your authority in Christ, then you probably won't do this. And that's, you know, that's up to you. But if you truly realize the power of the name of Jesus and that Jesus said, hey, just use my name. Tell him I sent you. Then you, then you don't have any problems saying, I forbid that from happening. That's, that's not going to happen. People say things all the time. Well, it's flu season. You ready? No. I forbid it. It's not coming into my house. Are you, well, you know what? The market's going down. Everyone's losing their money. You scared? Nope. I forbid it. And <laughs> this is not rocket science. I forbid it from happening. And listen to me. It's only weird if it doesn't work. This actually works. It's worked in so many areas of my life where everybody else is sick and depressed and dying and all this stuff. I forbid it. It's not going to happen. In the name of Jesus, that is not going to happen to me. I forbid it from happening. And guess what? It actually works. It actually works. And so, anyway, we could go on and on in this, but we need to get to point number three. Number three is this. Just receive the joy of the Lord. Receive the joy of the Lord. Because it's a free gift, but with all gifts, you got to receive it. Listen, I could come up and hand you a beautifully wrapped box and, and I mean, it could have, you know, a, a check for a million dollars in there, but that's not going to do you any good until you receive it, until you open the gift, receive it and do something with it. There's so many gifts that God's given us that we just don't receive. 
love, joy, peace. I mean, he's given us self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. But there's so many promises in the Bible that they're, they're just right there. Jesus provided healing. He provided salvation. He provided all these things. And Christians, the, the, the box is just sitting there. They don't do anything at all with it. And, the, and it rightfully belongs to them. Jesus wants you to have it, but you don't even open it up and, and, and try it out, man. So listen to me. Jesus wants you to have joy instead of depression. He'll trade. He's like, I'll, I'll take that old mess and I'll give you this. Trade with Jesus. Trade. That's an amazing trade. I love it when I get the better end of a deal. Jesus obviously is giving us the best end of this deal. We give him our old broken life and he gives us eternal life. You kidding me? Why wouldn't you take that? That's the most one-sided deal ever. Take it. That's an incredible deal. But too many times we don't receive the gifts that are that are totally for us. Now, if you know your Old Testament very well, turn here. But if not, just look at the screen. Nehemiah 8.10. If you're not super familiar with the Old Testament, that's going to take you a minute. Nehemiah 8.10. I'm going to look at the second part of this verse. Nehemiah 8.10. It says this. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't sorrow. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so listen to me. I've never seen a depressed person that's a super strong person in life. I've never seen a person that's clinically depressed going around, Man, I feel strong today. I think I'd take on the world, man. Woo! That doesn't happen. Why? Because the opposite of strength is weakness. The opposite of joy is depression. Are we? I mean, I'm kind of painting a picture here. But listen, if the opposite of joy is depression, and joy is the thing that gives you strength, well then, if you have depression, it's going to give you weakness. You're going to be a weak person. And that's sad because we don't need you to be weak. I need you to be strong. Your church family needs you to be strong. The world around you, the sinners and heathen that you work with every day, need the best you that we can put out there. We need the best you at Fort Irwin every single day. We need the strongest, most joyful you that we can send to the Marine base every day of the week. We need the strongest, best, happiest, most joyful, peace-filled, loving version of you that we can send to your job every single day because those heathen surrounding you definitely are not walking in the joy of the Lord. It's impossible. I promise you they're not. They're not they're, I don't see a lot of heathen walking around with the peace of God. I've never seen one. Now... Let's break this down. Some of them can have happiness because happiness is an emotion. I'd rather have joy. People can steal your happiness just like that. Someone that you've never met before, you can be having the best day of your life. And somebody can come and steal it all away just like that if you live by your emotions and you're totally dependent on if you feel happy that day. Guess what? I don't have to feel happy to have a good day. I get the joy of the Lord. I don't need happiness. And I mean, we all, we all want to be happy. Don't get me wrong. So we all want to be happy. But listen, think about this. You're having a great day. Let's paint this picture. Things are going good. Somebody bought you coffee. People are nice to you. Your kids got dressed on their own, whatever. Things are going good. You go to the Barstow Walmart Supercenter. Now, there's 20 million square feet of store, but there's only four parking spaces. And so you get there. And as you were getting ready to take spot number four, dude comes in and steals it from you. Whoa! 
wow, I've seen people that I thought were holy, I mean, turn really evil within a matter of seconds because their happiness is gone because somebody just stole that last parking spot that the Barstow Walmart Supercenter has to offer. All four of them are filled up and here you are, somebody stole the last spot. That's happened to me. I'm, I'm ratting on myself, okay? I I had to parallel park like between two bulldozers and, and some guy taking a nap. It was nuts, but I, I got that anyway. I parked about it. It was nuts. Anyway, so if, if my whole life is dependent upon if I feel happy or not, I'm in for a bumpy ride, man, because people can steal my happiness, but guess what? They can't steal my joy. They can't. And you're like, are you serious? Yep. John chapter 16. Quickly, John chapter 16, verse 22. If you don't have time, I'm in a hurry. Write it down. John 16, 22. Please write that down. Put it on the screen. It says, Jesus said this, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. When Jesus gives you joy, people and circumstances and how you feel cannot rob you of that Joy, because Jesus is the true source of joy. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is a spiritual fruit. Joy is a spiritual condition. It is not an emotion. I want to feel happy, of course. That's great. I want to feel happy. Everybody wants to feel happy. But I'm not relying and basing my life on if I feel happy that day. Are you getting that? So if you've been battling depression and you wake up in the morning... I just, I don't feel it today. I don't feel happy. La-di-da. I'm not being mean. I'm not belittling your situation. You're, you're, you're not walking by faith and not by sight. You're walking by sight. You're walking by how you feel. You are not walking by faith. If I were to wake up tomorrow morning and, and I had a bad thought and, and I was like, oh, here we go. It's Thursday. You know how Thursdays always are. You know, whatever it is that comes to your mind, man, I would fight that with everything I've got, dude. I would, I would get my Bible out and I would go after the devil full speed ahead and say, not today, devil, not today. I'm going to have the best day of my life. This will be the best Thursday that has ever existed in the history of the world. And you're like, are you serious? Yes, absolutely, man. I tell my kids this pretty much every day. Oh, today's going to be a good one, guys. What's today, daddy? I don't know, it's Tuesday, I don't know, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great, man. You're going to school, getting out of the house right now, it's going to be the best. All right, and so, here we go. All right, last verse, last verse, come on, come on, bear with me. Now I've lost my train of thought. Come on, can I get a witness on that? Get them kids out of the house. All right, so Proverbs 10.28, Proverbs 10.28, NIV, let's go, come on. Proverbs 10.28. Now, in Philippians, Paul kept writing about rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, and he used the word joy more times than any of his other epistles. Joy, joy, joy. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And when you, you read the thing, you come to find out he was in prison at the time he was writing it. And you're like, what is wrong with you, man? And he keeps saying, joy, 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 rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you're like, what is going on with you, man? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches. And he keeps saying all these positive, joyful things. Well, when you break it down, there's no way that you could possibly feel really great when you're in prison and your life's in the dumps. But guess what? Paul was not a happy person. Paul was a joyful person. And whenever bad things came to him, he fought it off with the joy of the Lord. 
Because that's what makes you strong. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I'll get, well, let you know one of my little tips, one of my little secrets. What I do, and if, if things are trying to hit me, I'll, I'll start singing, man, a, a song that uplifts me. You know, and usually it's an old song I learned as a kid. It's hardly ever a modern thing. Modern songs are great, but I mean, I always start singing, uh, Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy. All right. And then I sing, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And I sing stuff like that. And I'm telling you what, man. I feel great. I feel amazing when I do that. Proverbs 10, 28, it says, The prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. So are you righteous in here tonight? It's not conceded to raise your hand. The correct answer. If you receive Jesus, the correct answer is yes. Okay. So if you're righteous in here, your prospect is joy. Well, what's tomorrow looking like? Joy. What's Friday looking like? Joy. My prospect is joy. Well, how often? Every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Every day for the next year, I'm going to have the joy of the Lord. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that. Bet me. I dare you. Bet me. <laughs> Bet me. I will have the joy of the Lord every day. Every day. For, why? Because it's promised to me. Because that's my prospect according to Proverbs 10. And because God said I could have it. And you're not God. So, guess what? You lose. He wins. So, one last thing. Oh, man, we went over time. I want to give the example of Donnie. Come on, I was going to ask you for permission, but I'm not, I didn't, so let's just go. Let's roll with this, Donnie. So, Donnie is the best example I see currently of the joy of the Lord, because before Donnie was totally submitted to God, and he doesn't mind me saying this, I used to know Donnie before he was 100% the righteous, holy man that he is now, submitted to God. Donnie was probably the most depressed person that I ever knew. And... For good reason. He deserved to be, man. Some really bad things happened to him. And I don't, I don't, man, hey, I don't hold that against him. Bad stuff happened and he was depressed. But all of a sudden, man, he submitted to God this year. I mean, fully submitted to God. We had to look at his attendance records for something. We're like, Donnie, you missed like one service out of the whole year, dude. <laughs> he's been here for everything. He's, he's the owner of his company, but, but he, 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 comes to Tuesday morning prayer every week and and you know he has his guys go work and then he joins them afterward but I would anyway what I'm trying to say is Donnie in my estimation is submitted to God at this point in his life I've seen Donnie face difficult times since he's been submitted to God but I haven't seen a smile leave his face I I've seen bad things happen to this man in the last 12 months but he's kept the joy of the Lord for every second of it, so much to the point that people are like, Some wrong, something's wrong with him, that ain't right. You should not, you should not feel that way. But listen, it's the joy of the Lord. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tells us that God will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? It doesn't make any sense. Why are you so happy? Enjoy the Lord. Don't you realize that this just happened to you? Yeah. But I feel great. Do you, do you, listen, why? Because the peace of God, and people in this world can't understand it. You don't even, probably don't even waste your time trying to explain it. Just tell them it's God. That's all they need to know. Because they can't understand what it is you would try to get into with them. But listen, God will give you his peace, and it is the best thing ever to live a life full of the peace and joy of God. I wouldn't trade that for anything in this world. So listen to me. If you're in here and depression tries to come against you, you are prone to depression. 
the answers right here. Sure, get the help that you need to get. I'm not saying don't. But what I am saying is, forbid it. Say, no, absolutely not. You're not coming in. No way. I forbid you from taking over my life again. You're not going to do it. I resist you in the name of Jesus. Now get forbid depression from coming against you. All right. It's 10 after 8. Let's go. Let's end this thing right now. Stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.